Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kineo's Stream of Thought. Today, we are asking the question, can you measure learning? My name is Andy Costello, Head of Customer Solutions, and I am joined by... Jez Anderson, Head of Consulting. Jacob Fannell, Digital Marketing Consultant. James Corey Wright, Head of Learning Design. Thank you. Welcome, everybody. So we're looking at the question, can you measure learning? Um, how it's been evaluated in the past, what measures are in place now, what the future might look like, and we'll be drilling down into the world's most valuable resource, no longer oil, according to The Economist in 2017, but data. I had to get data in there as early as I could. Um, Albert Einstein said, not everything that counts can be counted and not everything that can be counted counts. Uh, so, gentlemen, I'm going to start with you, James. Can we measure learning? I don't really know, to be honest, whether you can measure learning or not. I think you probably can't. But what you can uh, do, or certainly in the context of uh, the workplace, is measure what uh, learning has led to or what it leads to. So in that sense, you can observe behavior. Um, you can measure performance using all sorts of metrics, um, including um, <laughs> appraisals and things like that. Mm. Um, but can you can you measure it? I mean, it depends. It depends. In other words, what you want to measure it for. It's probably the for that's more important than the measure. Um, I think we'll quickly come to this later. I'm not actually sure that measurement is necessarily the thing we should be talking about in relationship to the data. Mm. But we can come to that later. That was a good rhyme, wasn't it? Well, I was going to say, yeah, when you said we should be talking about, um, I was worried about you know saying that so early on in this podcast because that's kind of what we're what we're talking about um but okay so it, it, it measurable impact then can you measure the impact that learning has is that a, a, a more helpful phrase well you can uh, i suspect you can measure the impact that learning has had um but the but whether actually that's what happens in practice is is, is another question it's extremely you know to measure impact you have to if uh, the impact of learning you have to do a lot of work up front before you kind of set out to deliver that learning. Um, you know, you have to, it has to be comparative, doesn't it? You know, you can't measure anything really unless you have a sort of comparisons. Yeah. So you have to sort of start off by agreeing what are the, the bench, what's the, what are the things you're going to measure the so called learning? What's the start point and where the start are you, point, what's the end point? Otherwise, you're not going to know whether you've achieved any impact. And impact is really always primarily could be about business metrics and so it's again it's, it's not really about the learning it's more about the business okay and there is the challenge I think that no one has really grasped in the 30 odd years that I've been doing it because um, in a way L&D and, and the business sort of tend to work rather as two separate entities yeah sure I mean we're we're we obviously work in learning provision we're learning providers most of our clients our corporate clients, uh, large organisations that care about the impact of business, yet we're often told that we are being commissioned for a piece of work to improve learning, improve performance. Jez is going to bring you in here. Do you think that's fair? Do you think we should be focusing more on the measurement of the learner rather than anything broader um, in the first instance? I agree with James in, in reality, and I think that unusual as that is that I agree with James, but I do agree with James on this point because I think that in some ways... <laughs> It's a little bit of a red herring to think about learning. I think we have to look at what is the impact that learning is having on people's 
behaviors on what they say and what they do in the workplace that's really what organizations are interested in um, so clearly what we need to try and understand is what is it that the learning has done to inf- influence and change those th- that behavior that people exhibit and therefore the results that that change has has led in terms of business performance or whatever other element of performance we're looking at um, and I think, you know, we've we've been kicking around as an L&D community, the whole evaluation thing for donkey's years. I mean, I've been in it 25 years and no one's really got it yet. And we still talk, Patrick, we still talk level one evaluation. Well, it's still, 50 years old at least, isn't it? I think, it's Patrick. 1954, I think it was, something right. like that. I mean, you know, so it's 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 a donkey's old, Kirk Pack's a donkey old framework. And there's lots of other things there. But ultimately, it's an interesting frame and it gives us something to, you know, to talk about. Um, but the reality of it is what we're probably good at doing and what we're able to do is, is understand the immediacy and the immediate response a learner has had to a piece of learning, a piece of learning intervention, if you like, whatever that is. If it's an outdoor management course up in the Lake District or it's a piece of e-learning doing health and safety, we, we can, there's ways that we can start to understand has that been useful for that individual at that time. What impact that's had on their performance you can't measure that immediately after a training program. You've got to look at how do you test that? How do you put that into context of their real lives? How then do you understand what the impact of that has had on, that, on, on them as an individual? Has it had any impact? Or are there other things at play which will possibly impact? So it's a really complex thing. And I often talk about it as being a, a field of rabbit holes. And when you start talking about evaluation, it is just a massive field of rabbit holes that you can just fall down. And there's just so many of them that it's not really helpful. The key for me, um, and I'll shut up in a minute, the key for me is, is data. And I think it's the shift and change in the availability of data and how we're using data, which potentially opens a new, different window on our approach to how we look at impact. Um, I don't think it's something necessarily that L&D can do in isolation. It has to be working much more closely with the business to understand the impact that is being sought after and then f- therefore how can what their, in- their, their interventions and what they produce and deliver and what support, um, what, what impact that will have on, on performance. I mean, I think that <coughs> measurement has become, measurement's been banded ar- around, but really to make something sort of sound more important or significant than it possibly possibly is mm. i mean the bottom line is that and and i don't think we should be embarrassed about this is that there's a recognition in in the workplace that people need to know stuff they have to know certain things in order to be able to do certain things end of you know that that <laughs> that doesn't need measurement that's not blind that's not doesn't need science. That's just it's just common sense. Okay, but and you, and really, that is the reason why um, training and learning is provided. Um, do you need to measure that? I would argue no. <laughs> okay, but you need to measure surely the uh, that the investment you've made in that learning has worth and value, and should be repeated or not. That what you've set out to achieve has demonstrably improved some level of performance well i mean you say you need to measure the investment in that arguably no but what you do need to 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 know or be reassured about is that people are doing their jobs properly into the right right level okay which takes back to the original point really that's that's the only thing you need to know do you need to measure that i don't know whether that's the right word i think can i just dive in because i think that again you know it's getting to a point where 
we may well not. And if you put a purist hat on it, you can argue that, no, we don't need to measure. The reality of it is if you're an L&D manager and you've got a budget, you want to prove that your budget has actually delivered something. And that's really what we're talking about, is how do we support the L&D community to ensure that what they're doing is adding value to the bottom line of their business? And this, is, for me, again, this is where data really starts to come in, because it's actually now that we can start to look at different sources of data, as long as we're asking the right questions of it early enough in the process. Um, because if we don't know what it is, if you think about it in terms of a, a set of levers, if we don't know what lever it is that we're trying to pull in the first place, we don't know what forces we need to put on that lever to pull it. So if we haven't done the needs anal analysis effectively, we haven't looked there for what we're trying to achieve as an objective and the goal for the training, and then we haven't allayed that aligned that next to some sort of performance business measure, which you can quantify and, and create some metric around right. it, becomes very difficult. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is where, for me, this is where data starts to play, come into its own, is that we've now got, we have learner data, so we have evaluation, impact data, if you like, or validation data, I prefer to call it. But it's like, well, that's great, and that's good, and that validates the program, and it says it's a well-designed program, and the questions worked, and all that sort of stuff, brilliant. But it's then what do people do with it? How do those behaviours change? And we only know that when we can start to look at those metrics and say, well, those metrics have changed. As a result of doing X, the metrics that we were looking to measure, Y, have changed demonstrably or not as a result of doing that. And that's where we start to think pulling in different data sets. So it requires, a, a, for me, it starts to require a, an understanding of how to analyse and use data well beyond what L&D traditionally has even thought about as being data. And yet we're hearing all about data all the time. There are more platforms that specialise in capturing data. There are more people using the word data to sell these new yeah. platforms. And, and yet, is there a case, therefore, that you know while we have more accessibility to data, we don't really know what to do with it? Exactly. Right? And, I, and I was talking to one of my clients yesterday, and we were having this conversation about digital transformation, we've been working with them around what they're trying to achieve in terms of that digital transformation over the last few months. And one of the key things that's coming out is not the technology stack, and although that's where we started, what's coming out st strong and clear is actually it's the capability set of the learning and development community and the way that that, that capability is structured. So it's not only the, the skills and knowledge of the people doing the jobs, but it's actually, is it the, are they the right jobs? You know, so we hear now about we, we hear now about the shifting nature that jobs today don't exist tomorrow. Well, you know, maybe we're at a point where we start to think about well, to be a curation manager as opposed to being a development manager will be data informed because it will be understanding what people are accessing. It will be looking for patterns. It will be looking to understand what people like, what they don't like, what's having an impact, and then choosing that to support and uh, the, the you know the the curriculum of learning or the curriculum of content which is probably better than learning, that they put together. Um, so I think uh, there's a parallel in, in the field of marketing in that we get very locked in to the tools that we have available to us and what the platforms that we're using are telling us. But the actual skills to properly interpret this data um, are like, is similarly lacking. And I think that's often because like data analysis is... Um, something which is deceptively hard. There are so many things which can go wrong when you're looking at data. There are so many phenomena within it, even really basic things like regression to the mean, which many people aren't familiar about with, and it's its, its own skill set. 
But one thing that can happen very profitably is if you have a background in an area and you understand uh, exactly as you were saying, James, you're saying like, okay, we understand that certain people need uh, these skills in order to do their jobs. And you have this kind of background information. Then you can profitably talk to someone who um, is more of a data specialist and saying, oh, how might I be able to measure this? So my model of the world, which I'm very confident in, is that um, you know uh, improving soft skills is, is very important. Um, okay, if you're very confident in that, that's great, but there will still be ways that you can measure that. And someone who's a specialist in data analysis can often bring approaches and techniques which um, will be close to you if all you're used to doing is kind of just drawing off reports. You know, in, in my case, in marketing, it'd be something like analytics. In uh, the L&D world, it might be from your LMS. If, you, if you're dealing with someone who's really used to just pulling lots of spreadsheets and bringing lots of different uh, data types together and coming up with really interesting analyses, that can be, that's where you can get really interesting stuff Ooh. coming up. Sounds like we can learn a lot from marketing and the marketing, marketer's use of data. So I just had a question for Jacob though is that um, and going right back to that first question about measurement are we using the wrong word in the sense that is it actually about data capture and then uh, uh, analyzing that data and then about improving the content learning content on the basis of that analysis so I think that's um, that's a really good point because I think we often think that uh, sort of analyzing data and having good metrics are the same thing. But you have to keep in mind that often with metrics, you, you produce them often for the function of showing, oh yeah, I'm doing my job. I was able to bring this number up. But there's, um, there's a really fascinating uh, law, it's called Goodhart's Law. Um, and I really recommend um, anyone who's interested in this, uh, check out a podcast, uh, Rationally Speaking, uh, with Julia Galef and uh, um, I think it's Dr. Mannheim, and um, they discuss this law, which is basically as soon as a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. <laughs> and there's a reason. There's a reason for this because as soon as you set your measure up as, as as your target, then people start thinking that that measure is what you're aiming for. So um, a good example, which again comes from from this podcast, is uh, if you're trying to lose weight. You might think, okay, well, my measure is to just get the 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 the, uh, the scale to read a, a lower number to me. But then what people can do is they go, all right, well, before I weigh myself this morning, I'm not going to drink a glass of water, and because that that would mean that the 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 number on my scale will go up. But that's totally not what you're trying to measure, right? Like that's that's you you you've mistaken the fact that you're uh, trying to lose weight with you're trying to make that number change. Um. Also, uh, to continue that analogy of the weight, also, of course, the, the main thing really is about keeping the weight off. That's the mm. biggest challenge of all. And you can trace, I can sort of uh, mangle that all the way back to learning again and sort of say that it, that it instead of content, uh, learning content being a sort of commodity or thinking of it as a product, maybe it's more of a service in the sense that, you know, learning um, in the workplace is, is, is ongoing. And maybe the use of the data is to improve that the learning experience in an ongoing way. In that sense, it's a service. It's not a one-off. Mm. It's not a product. It's not one trip to the scales to weigh yourself. 
which a measurement would be and become the all-important target. Yes, so. and that's measurement. So maybe it's going to have to do with measurement, but the whole measurement thing is just a giant red herring. But I do Ooh. think that we, you know, we, unfortunately, whatever we whatever we like to say, we operate in a world where you know numbers are how people interpret performance, and you know we can we can argue and, and totally to your point, Jake, would totally agree. And yes, it's, you, so it soon becomes a number chase. But the reality of it is, at some point, you have to be able to communicate in the language of the people who are making the decisions. And the people who are making the decisions invariably are the people who are using numbers to be able to say, I want to see X percent improvement performance of X. I want to see X percent accident, less accidents of Y. I want to see... And it's numbers and it's metrics. So for L&D, it's about being able to quantify that in a behavioral way. So to say, looking at that metric, going, well, okay, so behaviorally, what underpins that? What will change that? What will give us a, a, a shift in that? Which is a bit like, you know, the weight analogy. It is a bit like saying, well, understanding that, yeah, okay, having a glass of water or not having a glass of water will have an impact on what the scales say. But in the longer term, it's like saying, well, okay, if I change my drinking habits what are the drinking habits that i need to adopt to make that change and it might be that drinking plenty of water is good drinking beer isn't and therefore i need to drink less beer and i can i'll measure that i will measure how much less beer i drink and therefore see how much my the scales drop i think one thing within this is so to take an example of like drinking less beer so you could very easily go, all right then, well, I shall just start drinking cider instead. <laughs> but if you want to avoid um, a metric being gain, gamed, then it's good to have several metrics of the same thing. So for example, um, when I'm looking at the engagement uh, that people have with content, then I can have a look at something like uh, how many uh, pages did they visit in a session I can also have a look at how many repeat visitors did we have to the site? Are we, are, we, are, we, are we building an audience? I can also have a look at how long are they spending on an article? And I can have a look at what was their scroll depth? And now if I've got lots of these things together, then I've got my measures, but then I can also use my judgment with it. And I think that's the really, really critical point that there is no way that you can have a metric which substitutes for that, it can inform your judgment. But there's, it, there is a very rare metric which you can completely use as a substitute. And um, a good example of this is you might think, well, okay, every single business just wants to make profit and the profit of a business goes up, then that's fantastic, right? And there's no arguing with that. Well, if the profit of the business is going up and they're doing that by uh, doing like um, deals with like the mafia or something, then that's really <laughs> terrible. So it doesn't, it really doesn't matter what metric you pick. Sure. There are some side constraints on it. There are some things where your expertise is relevant in assessing that. So by relying too heavily on the data and on the measurements, we're losing the, the human, uh, the, the, the necessary human trait of actually doing the analysis and, and, and picking it apart. Well, that's, that's what we're incredibly good at. Machines are very bad at having uh, an understanding of context. It's very, very difficult for a machine to understand sort of causal relationships in the world. If someone goes on this course, then we expect it to change their behavior in these sorts of ways. I mean, they're extremely bad at doing that. They're very good at spotting correlations. But um, that background knowledge of the world, has just been a massive problem in the AI for a long time, and, and, and it's still a big problem at the moment. And so that's the sort of thing that you can put into the system 
And um, once once you do that, then then you kind of you, you get the best of both worlds. You get the kind of the rigor of the fact that you're measuring stuff that there's there's nowhere to really hide, but you're also getting kind of the human element too. And I think that there's there's if you go too far on either side, you run into real pitfalls. So the um, the bottom line is you can't measure learning, <laughs> but it doesn't really matter because you can measure a lot of other stuff mm. essentially. And uh, maybe the whole sort of uh, agenda has just mo moved on from measurement, from learning. You know, all these things are clapped out phrases. It's, it's all about the data. It's all about analysis. It seems to it, me that data is one thing that data is providing is a lot more things uh, to, to measure, a lot more granulated um, points in a process or in a person's performance or in a business. But know. not learning. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's the, that's the red herring bit, you know, because it doesn't matter whether you learn or you don't learn, the, 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 what does matter is how you behave and what you do, mm. which we can track to a certain extent um, using the machines. Yeah, that's what I wanted to, and Jacob, just to bring you back with that, the machines, and I know this, will, this is a big hot topic out there and people, lots of people are going on about AI and machine learning and this is the new way for learning and development. And I read a, a nice little um, analogy the other day that the AI can win the hardest game of chess in the world and beat you at it, but it won't for a moment enjoy the fact. Um, and that to me says it all. But is it is it all that, quite frankly, AI at the moment? Where has it got to get to and, and how can it help us? measure or not or create more measures or, or create the correct measures i think that um there are things which uh artificial intelligence remains like exceptionally good at and so when it comes to things like uh analysis analyzing correlations between things it's extraordinarily good at that um and finding trends and finding unexpected patterns in data and that sort of thing but one of the things i find is uh often it produces so much of this information that um and it obviously really depends on your use case and what you're doing with it but um uh, sometimes it helps if you have a question that you want to ask first and you have like some conceptual clarity on that first and then you kind of bring these tools to bear so you can you can use um ai in extremely uh, impressive ways and there are like uh, questions which would otherwise be very very difficult to answer um for example, um, if you're looking at very complex, uh, in, in, in marketing, you have things like really complex attribution uh, problems where you go, hey, someone saw a Facebook ad, they came to us from Google search, and then you know they, um, they may, maybe clicked on an ad, and how do I apportion credit to these, these many different inputs? Then this is just an incredibly difficult problem. Um, but AI can really help with that, it can really help do lots of very clever kind of statistical and mathematical things that um, and so that's the sort of thing where I think it's really really good but you still need that kind of underlying understanding of what that activity was you know what ads you were running and what campaigns you've been doing and um, how you feel that your um, audience reacts to your content you can't strip all of that out so um, yeah do I think AI is all that. Well, I, I don't think it's going to, um, at, at present, I don't think that it, 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 it can substitute for some of the things we're very good at. Context, understanding, particularly complex social relations. Um, if you were to try and like diagram out all of the things that happen when just people have a conversation, it's unbelievably mm. complex. 
my beliefs about what you believe and my beliefs about what you believe about what I'm saying and my beliefs about what the listenership are doing and how they're switching off or whatever. Mm. You know, <laughs> like that's that's really, really hard. And that's something which we can't uh, accurately model yet yeah. to my understanding. So. Can I tell you about one of the, I think for me, one of the key the key aspects of, of this conversation is, and Jacob's hit on it in there, is that is it's asking what question. What question are we trying to ask and prove? And are we asking that question in the first place? So as L&D, when it goes back you know, a little bit to James's point, can you measure learning or not? I think you can measure learning <laughs> if you ask the right question. So what do, what is it of the learning that you want to actually measure? And have you got an understanding of what, that learning it will look like okay you know so yeah. what is it what is your starting point what is your vision den point and what are the what are the steps in the middle that's going to help you get to that just before james comes back and says no you can't we get to one of those i just wanted to call out the towards maturity report 2018 the uni actually discussed a while ago and they asked the question what does lnd's relationship with data and what does lnd need to do to take advantage of the opportunities that data provides presuming that we can and that we can therefore use data to measure so that so the argument is there that we can you know the answer to that question is that you, is, is you take more of a long-term view you know and I, I said less stop looking at learning as a commodity as a one-off events you know we have to and then in picking up on what Jez said uh, you know he said of course you can measure some learning yes you can uh, I would agree but the answer to that is you don't measure it at one point it's a whether it's stuck whether whether it's you know whether it's stuck with you whether it's whether you sort of in six months time to a year's time are still sort of exhibiting all the benefits of that learning that you that you achieved and and that's a sort of very different kind of way of looking at things um you know so in other words it's learning over you know uh, learning over time it's about using data to improve things uh, over time it's all over time it's all an ongoing thing and that's a big shift yeah. from how we currently Work. So what you're making me think of there is that our job, perhaps in L and D, isn't to isn't to measure. That's not our responsibility. Our our job is to ha- perhaps use the data to better improve the things we are doing to make that learning develop. Absolutely. So we're talking about things like nudge theory and space Absolutely. practice, space rehearsal. Yeah. These are the activities and the the interventions we can create if we just could better understand data to inform what a longer program Absolutely. of learning might Absolutely, it's be. a huge opportunity. Okay. In that sense, and, and well, I mean, you know, to be honest, the, the the project that we've been working on for the last six months or so, um, which is looking at how how do the sort of data that we get from learners' interaction um, with e-learning in particular, but also looking at other measures as well. So, from our colleagues from the Oxford group, um, and it is it is very much like what are the what are the tricks, if you like, that we can use to to create different data streams and different data sources which might exist but just aren't we're just not able to capture them um and so it is looking at learner behavior so that's one aspect to it and then i think the other aspect to it is in okay as, as jake said you've got this data you've got this information and we might shove it through a nice little data engine and it'll produce a graph at the end of it well that's marvelous and we've got some nice graphs and we've got a dashboard with numbers on it and pretty pictures what does it mean Again, it goes back to that question. It goes back to what question are you asking of that learning in the first place? And does the information that you're generating help you understand if you've done that or not? Mm. And if it does, then that's great because then that helps you develop your, your, your practice and your input. If it doesn't, that's also great because it means you've done something wrong. I think actually you've identified one of the, one of the great challenges around the data. Data is a huge opportunity, but it's also a big challenge because... The question is not whether you can capture it, 
not whether you can present it as a dashboard, but what the, what are you going to do with it? Precisely. And that's the challenge. What's, what are L&D, for example, or the business going to do with all that data that we can now get hold of? Well, we try to engage very clever people like Jacob and data analysts that are you know, clearly a, a skill set above and beyond what yeah, we're I'll, bringing I'll, to the I'll table. just get my coat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to bring Jacob back into this point. Jacob, um, what can L&D, what should L&D be doing with this data? We've got all the stuff. What do we do with it? So one of the key things is that when you're being given data, and when you're being presented a dashboard, um, ideally you should have been involved in the creation of that dashboard in the beginning. So the the questions of you know what is it that you uh, want from this? What understanding do you want? I mean, I'm I'm literally doing that today for for Kineo. I'm asking like, what do you want to know about Kineo's content, and how can I present you a dashboard with um, things which answer that question? So. For example, one one technique that you can do is instead of just showing some data, you can outline that graph um, with a question. So instead of it being, um, you know, um, if if you were looking at engagement with your content, you had some measure of that. You could just instead of saying, "Oh, look, this is how uh, long on average someone was spending with this piece of e-learning," you would mm. say, um, "How engaged are people with our digital learning?" And that would be like your your question mark or you, the, the thing that you're trying to answer and you're f explicitly framing it in that way rather than trying to just like dump some data at someone's feet and then, and, and then making them ask that question in the first place like what do I do with this what is this telling me um, and I also think that um, really ideally you need to have a section where you're telling someone you know ideally if you're presenting information you need to give it some context um, because um, again, otherwise you're you're making this massive assumption that the, the data is um, self-explanatory, and, yeah, and, and very often it just isn't. So it's not just about you know what are we asking; it's also who are we asking for, I suppose, as well. Is it for for the learner, for us, for business, for you know, to, to you know, what are the aims of of asking those questions? I think often as well, um, when you've decided on a measurement, then you can just run sanity checks on it. And you can you can you can go okay well look we we did this and we measured over time these effects and we can go back and say well do we think this measurement's any good is it showing signs that we're trying to really game this measurement so a typical paradox that you might get in a sales team would be hey we want to make more calls and then you you measure how many calls people are making they make twice as many calls and they're just really crappy calls and so you go, all right, this isn't a great measure. We need, to, we need to do some more things with it. And I think it's the same in any area. You just need to be interrogating the measurements. You can't just kind of take them at face value. Um, you need to have some feedback uh, loops where you are actively interrogating them and making sure that they're still meaningful to you. Does, does that mean then that everything, you can't create anything that's generic, that everything has to be bespoke? I think, um, I think there are often things which... Uh, apply to a lot of use cases. So um, I feel like if you feel that the s situations are sufficiently similar, um, then then for sure, like you can have generic things. But um, I think it's important that you've at least um, asked those questions of the what you're trying to answer. Do you think these measurements are good? Do you feel there's any risk of them being gamed? Um, and just have, you know, keep those in mind. I suppose the, the pure granularity of the data you can get means that any correlational pattern that's formed is, is likely to be unique and therefore bespoke. And the bespoke thing you actually need is the person, is the human being to do the analysis. That's going to be 
uh, different yeah. for every case. Everything's isn't pointing, isn't it, at this person? Yeah. It could be an L&D person. The new person, job, the, the new role. It's the new role. Or, yeah. yeah, marketing are already doing it. And this is the yeah. thing we, we often hear, and I know this is may sound dated and trite um, and apologies for, to, to those in marketing, but we constantly hear we can learn a lot in L&D through marketing, through you know the communica- great communication of messages, through campaigns, uh, and maybe this role that marketing now have now created, the data analyst, to huge success, obviously, is something that we should absolutely and and obviously have been thinking about but perhaps more so rather than just the new technology to capture and beautifully visibly present data in a dashboard we need yeah um, only this week i was just talking to um one of our designers who has a sort of uh, um a kind of you know she's sort of quite interested in a penchant for data a penchant for data Mm. indeed and um and in doing so we were kind of uh, you know coming to the point of view that you need now. Who do we need to sort of fish fish the data out of the back end? It's a very unfortunate uh, <laughs> phrase, but uh, there we go. Um, and on the one hand, you know that's fine. But so they could just be a sort of a number cruncher in that sense. But uh, but then we were sort of saying, but they need that kind of uh, learning design sensibility. You know, that sort of awareness of of learner data, if you like. Um, so they sort of they have to have the ability to get the data. Still have a view about about the data to pick up what Jacob's saying. It's like you know, and interrogate it, but through the lens of whatever the business learning, you know, L and D, and then and then share that, you know, with whoever needs it, or act on it themselves. So I could see a role, for example, from the learning design perspective, very much of this curator creator mm. role, where that sort of person that they're doing curation and they're creating as, as as is required, but one of the key skill sets is its ability to analyze the data in order to inform their decisions about um, what to curate. And future learning programs, yeah, exactly. And future learning programs, you know, so the 80-20 rule. So sort of how to improve your 80%, which is curated, and 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 how to um, create from scratch really good targeted 20%. And, uh, you know, for me, that's the future of a future role and I and in the company like Kineo's I could see the learning designers are obvious candidates for moving into that curator creator role mm-hmm. and then within L&D you can see that they could have a counterpart somebody in L&D who also has that kind of skill set and then maybe the two work together to provide uh, an ongoing curation creator curation creation service I uh, come back to this idea of service yeah so that they're always tweaking always changing always modifying refining improving kicking up to date validating and socializing um content yeah but it's not about measurement anymore no. because also that content would probably be informal uh, content that they would create you know a, a lot of it but not create yeah yeah they create it or gather or curate it, it or create it or create it or whatever yeah. and arguably that's not particularly measurable um, either, but they'll know whether it's any good or not because they'll be looking at the data. So they'll be and and borrowing the the techniques from marketing to refine that data, cool. uh, to refine that content. Thank you. Yes. Closing thoughts then on that, Jacob. I think um, in some ways you've given marketing quite a lot of credit, but I feel that marketing has the same. Uh, broad challenges as L&D and that you have organizations which are enormously um, sophisticated 
um, and they're often using data science techniques and there are um, others who are like predominantly using very face value um, numbers in basic analytics programs. So um, I wouldn't want to present the world of marketing as being this sort of um, <laughs> wonderful region where we've all got it sorted and many of the same problems still apply. I would say uh, in terms of overall, the question that you're trying to answer when you're looking at something like learning or, uh, and I feel a really somewhat parallel thing in, in marketing is when you're trying to influence people's behavior further up the buying journey when you're trying to improve their awareness of things and you're doing very behavioral psychological things. These are incredibly hard to measure things. They're very hard to solve. Um, and although we've made a lot of progress on it, um, there's a reason why, you know, the, the, the science of psychology and sociology and everything um, have a lot of difficulty measuring these things too, because there are so many confounding factors when you're dealing with people. We're very, very complicated. Um, and so it's just generally a hard problem. So if it seems difficult, um, I think it's fair to say it's because it, it just is. Um, and if you think about what L&D are trying to do, they're, they're dealing with the entirety of the company, like company-wide thing. It's not just the problems of one department, it's the problems of every department and influencing them positively. I mean, that's just amazing. Um, so, and I think the other thing I would say is <clears throat> that if you're thinking about these things, it really helps to get a variety of perspectives. Some of the most profitable discussions I've had are with um, data scientists or with um, psychologists and with people who uh, have to think about measurement um, and uh, understanding things with their own particular box of tricks. Um, and that can be, that can just really, really help. It can help prevent you from feeling like you're having to solve these quite specialist problems all by yourself. And so um, I guess if there was one takeaway I would give, it would be to just broaden the diversity of perspectives that you're getting on these problems thank you jacob jez any closing thoughts uh there's no silver bullet i think that's probably it i think when we talk about measurement and we talk about impact there is no there's no quick fix there's no piece of technology or solution that's going to come out and revolutionize the world i think the reality of it is is that we we do want to understand the impact that our support has on our communities that we work with and i think you know Anyone who works in L&D would want to do that for whatever reason. Um, there isn't necessarily a technological solution that will give you that answer in one hit. But I think what it is, it's about understanding that technology is a key part of our makeup now and, our, our, and how we operate and how we work. Um, and as a result, it creates a lot of data. And let's not get too hooked on the process of collating data and co collecting it. Presenting it. Let's not get worried about that. Let's just get worried about some fundamental things again, which is what are we trying to prove? What are we trying to say that by doing X, we get Y? If we can do that, then we can start to use the data. But don't start, in some ways, don't start off with the data. Start off with the question. Thank you for joining us today in which we learned that uh, measurement is perhaps a red herring after all, uh, but we may have created a brand new role for learning design and L&D. Who knows? Update those CVs, folks. Um, thank you very much. If you would like to carry on the conversation, please do reach out to us. We are Kineo on LinkedIn and Twitter uh, or via our website at kineo.com. All the best and speak to you again soon. Music.